Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. I want to talk to you today from a a message that I'm calling, Gotta Be a Bringer. Gotta Be a Bringer. Um, You know, the Bible says that the prudent see danger and they take refuge. And the danger that I want to talk to you about today, um, well, we're going to have to pray for somebody's car alarm to go off. All right, whose key, whose car is it? Walk of shame time, here we go. <laughs> okay, going to be hard to preach with a car horn going, whatever. Whatever. All right. Well, all right. Let's try it. We'll see how far we get. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it'll stop in a minute. If not, we'll talk over it. Um, the danger that I want to talk to you about today, the scripture says the, the, the prudent see danger and, and take refuge. Well, the danger I want to talk to you about today is the danger that specifically for people who consider themselves to be followers of Jesus, um, followers of Jesus, there, there's a danger in the church today for people who consider themselves to be Christians, but are checked out on the main mission that Christ gave his church to, to follow through on. Um, you understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of folks who consider themselves to be Christians and, and they enjoy going to church. They love to worship to, to modern Christian worship songs. They, they really like to listen and be entertained by some of the most popular and most dynamic speakers, uh, Christian speakers. May even have all the t-shirts and all the little stickers. And maybe some of us are, are in, that, in, that, uh, in that group of people. But for these people, the question is, am I dialed in on the one thing that Jesus called us to do? How many of y'all know it's easy to listen to great worship music? It's easy to, to be entertained by phenomenal pastors and great speakers. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because I listen to great worship music and I listen to phenomenal pastors. It's easy to do all of those things. But what is the one thing that Jesus called us to do? And if you go to Matthew 28, when, when Jesus is about to leave this world and go back to the Father, he calls his followers together. And this call that he made was to his followers who were here on earth at that time. But it was, it was a, a commissioning that he was about to give to the people who would follow him for all time. And Jesus looked at those followers of him, people who, who said, yes, I do believe in you. And yes, I'll follow you. And maybe you this morning have been in a place in your life where, where at some point you said, I want Jesus to save me from my sins. I don't want to die and go to hell. Jesus says, great, we're on the same track then, but let's take it one step more. If you really want to accept the salvation that I offer you, if you really want to accept the the payment of my blood that I shed for you, and if you believe in me, then get up from where you are and start following me. And in Matthew 28, starting about verse 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, in the spirit, teaching them to obey all these things I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
And I wonder this morning, as people who are followers of Jesus, if we have fallen in love with the marketing of the church and missed the message of the cross. When I say to you today that if we call ourselves Christians, then we gotta be bringers, man. We gotta be bringers. We gotta be people who look at our own lives and our story and see where we were and how the story of my life and my mess and my 1987, how that intersects with the cross of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, how he picked me up. And it's not just about me. Look at the person beside of you. Say, it ain't about you. That's right, some of y'all been waiting to say that. It's not, it's not. And so, here's my question to you this morning. Are you a bringer? Or are you just a follower of modern Christian marketing? Let's talk about it. Well, how can I bring people into a relationship with God? Now, now this, is, this is going to be uncomfortable. This is not one of those messages where you come in and, and I tell you, you know what, let me pat you on your little head, scratch you behind your ears and tell you everything's going to be all right. I'm going to challenge you today because... Next Sunday, we're having a, a, a set of services here called Hope Sunday. You just heard Dominic talk about how people are dying from fentanyl and from opioid crisis and from all of these things, and we're all affected by it. But today is not about opioids. Today is about us following Jesus. And if we bear the name of Jesus, if we proclaim that I've been saved, I've been baptized, I'm going to heaven, then we got some work to do. And the work that we have to do has more to do with what's outside those doors with, than what's going on in here. How can I bring people into a relationship with God? Well, first of all, it all has to start with your own personal encounter with Jesus. And if right now, if you're sitting here and, and you think about what I've just said, and you think, yeah, I do like to listen to that music, and I do like to listen to those pastors, but have you really ever had your own personal encounter with Jesus, where he, the, the, the heart of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, looked into your soul, and he convicted you of your sin, and you realize, man, he's right, I am a sinner, and my sin has separated me from God, and you feel the weight of being separated from the God who created you, have you ever had that moment where you got to that point and then once Jesus allowed you to feel the weight of your sin, then he welcomed you in with his grace and says, now that you understand how depraved you are, how far away you are, how, how far you've gone away from me, now let me draw you back into a life that is more than you could ever imagine. Have you had that encounter? Because that's where it starts. And my guess is this morning, there's probably some of you who've heard about Jesus, you know about Jesus, but do you really know Jesus? If we're gonna be a bringer, we got to start by, by being there ourselves. I want to show you four things this morning, very simple things that can help in bringing people into a relationship with God. And number one is simple. Prepare like God is going to use you. Prepare like God is going to use you. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. These words were written by the Apostle Paul, an elder statesman in the church who has um, brought up this young man, Timothy, and Timothy has the, the anointing, the power of God on him, and Timothy is now starting a church, and he's a young man, and Paul's telling him, he's teaching him how to lead this group of people that's, that's following him as a church now. And Paul says to Timothy, do your best, son. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Church, that admonishment is not just for future pastors. 
That's for all of us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you, you need to be in the process of growing to know him more. And it is a process. It, look, y'all, this is not the matrix. You don't plug that thing in the back of your head and download it. Now, all of a sudden, you're a super Christian. It's a process where you take day after day and you get excited and you get encouraged and you look forward to spending time with Jesus and letting his word teach you. Present yourself. If you're going to help others to know Jesus, you're going to have to make an investment in getting to know him for yourself. Um, I said it before, man, too many people know about Jesus, but don't know Jesus. And I talk to people all the time who say, Jeff, I really do want to know him more. But when I pick up the Bible and try to read it, man, I just don't get anywhere. Can I just say to you, I get it. I understand that. Like, like to pick up the Bible and have no kind of context or no understanding of what it's saying. Now, there's two sides to that. There's two, there absolutely are two sides to that. It is not impossible to pick up the Bible and start reading and getting it. I hear people that have been in foreign countries. I've heard people that have been incarcerated that picked up a Bible, had no idea what it was talking about, and the Word of God jumped off of those pages and saved their soul. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of bone and marrow, soul and spirit. That's what it does. But for most of us, when we pick up the Bible and we read it, it doesn't make a lick of sense. What do we do? Well, there's some things that you can do. Um, there's some things that you can do. There's a process. I'll come back to a specific Bible in just a moment, but, but I want to give you three things that you can work towards. Number one is get a good study Bible. Get a good study Bible and carve out some time to work with it. And let me just say this to you. There's a difference between a study Bible and just a regular Bible. A study Bible is going to have tools that you're not going to get just by opening up your version. I love version app. But if you have a good study Bible, you, you, work, you open up the book of Ephesians. You're like, I don't even know what an Ephesian is. Okay, great, great place to start. You open up that study Bible, and it's going to give you all of the context that you need. Who is writing it? To whom are they writing it? What's the time period they're writing? What's the context? What's going on? What's the purpose of this writing? Who's the author? All of those kinds of things. That starts before you get into the book, and then you start reading the words of the book, whichever book it is, and then at the top of the page, you're going to have the Bible. At the bottom, every verse or most of the verses will have some explanation. If you really want to get to know God, you have to read his word. And if you're going to read his words, you need a good study Bible. Now, there are lots of versions of it out there. Uh, one that, that, that I often recommend to people who are just starting to read the Bible is the New Living Translation because it's an it's a easy, sounds more like the way we talk today. But there's a version of the New Living Translation or NLT that's the Life Application Bible. If you want to start reading the Bible and getting something out of it, get yourself an NLT Life Application Bible and start reading it. Now, you can get them probably 30, 40, 50 bucks. It might take a little money. It is an investment, but do it. Get that thing. Now, that's just one thing. A couple of other things that you can do. Um, one of the things that I think we miss out on the most uh, in our current society, man, we've got if we could go back in time and talk to Christians who came before us and they would say to us, you mean as you're going to work, you can listen to good preaching? No, we can listen to the best preaching. Anybody in the world, we've got podcasts available to us. When I'm at home, I can watch YouTube, good teachers. Take advantage of those things, man. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but, but if you're not using podcasts yet, man, anytime you're in the car, you're mowing the grass, you're, you're, you're on the treadmill. All of this information is available to you. Take advantage of it. 
And then the third thing I would say is get in a Bible study. You know, we have C groups here, groups that meet every week. We've got about 20 of them right now that are meeting. And you may not be in a C group, but every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we have a a prayer time right here. And then we follow that up at 7 with a Bible study. Anybody's welcome to come. Don't do this alone. It's a process. Get some people around you. But if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you have to prepare like he's going to do something. Now, I said all of that. I said all of that. Let, let, let's, make it, let's make it practical. Like, like all the things that they told me when I was a kid going to Sunday school still hold true. Pray, read your Bible, go to church. But let's take it to another level. What if today, what if right now God revealed to you that next March, 2024, what if he said to you in March next year, I'm going to bring five people into your life. They don't know me. They've never known me. And I'm bringing them specifically to you. And it's your responsibility to tell them about me, to introduce them to me, get them saved. And heaven or hell for those five people depends on you being able to lead them to Christ. Are you able to do it right now? That's not necessarily a hypothetical situation because you are meeting those people every day, everywhere you go. And they look at you and they see your social media and they know that you go to church and they tell you their problems day after day and they're waiting on you not to give them worldly solutions, but to be the person who goes to church and supposedly knows Jesus to be able to speak some life into their life. But so many of us keep our mouth shut because we say, well, man, I can't quote quote to scriptures. I don't know the Bible like that. Do you know Jesus? Have you met him? Has he changed your life? Can you share your story with him? And that leads us to the next thing. Number one, we got to prepare. Number two, we have to care like we believe in eternity. We have to care, man. Matthew 9, starting at verse 35, Jesus went through all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Stop right there. Can you imagine being Jesus and having been in the perfection of heaven for eternity past, And in stepping into this jacked up, janky, broken world and a bunch of janky people around him all the time, and he knows the answer and he looks at all of us and he's like, man, they cannot get out of their own way. Them some jacked up people, screwed up as a football bat down there. Jesus looked at him and thought, it's not that hard, y'all. Follow me. But he looked on us. We are those crowds. And he had compassion on us. He had compassion. It says, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, oh, do we have some disciples here? We have some followers of Jesus here. Got some people who are following Jesus. Oh, he's talking to us. Okay. The harvest is plentiful, but y'all, they didn't say y'all back then, but go ahead and put that in. The, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. When Jesus had saw the crowds, he had compassion. And there's lots of people who needed to be brought into the kingdom. There's lots of people who needed to hear about hope and to know that God changes things and that God cares and that God will get you around some people who's been through some of the stuff that you've been through. But guess what we are? We're too busy wondering who won the baseball game last night. Oh, who the Cowboys playing today? What are we doing this afternoon? 
Do we really care about the people that we're seeing? Jesus looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them. Jesus looked at people who were hurting and broken and the whole world was just going about its business, buying, selling, trading, doing all of those things. Remember a couple of weeks we talked about that? How in the days of Noah, right, they were marrying and being given in marriage and God came to Noah and said, I'm coming back and I'm gonna flood this place. Get your crew ready because y'all coming out of here, but I'm wiping the rest of them out. What are we doing today, man? We're going about our everyday lives just like everything's cool as a cucumber. And Jesus is saying, mm, things starting to shake a little bit up in here. I'm getting a little antsy, Father. Can I get back in there? Can I get back down there? And the Father says, no, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet, but it's getting close. And here we are. Worry about what the Cowboys going to do today. Y'all know they're going to lose. Don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> oh, man. You know what, man? I say all of that to y'all, but I'm going to be honest with you. We deal with a lot of people who are hurting a lot of days. And it's easy for me to stand up here and act like I got it all together. But can I tell y'all something? When you're around people who are hurting and broken all the time, man, in the jails, in the schools, working with bikers against trafficking, um, in, in, the, in the police department, all of these places, in the church, can I be honest with you? I get hardened and callous to the pain of people around me a lot of times. I, I, I see so many people who are hurting. And, and sometimes, man, when you, when you try to care and you try to give and you try to do things, and, and, and maybe you make a little bit of difference in somebody's life, but it just feels like you're on the highway and whoom, they're all just flying by you. Sometimes I find myself in this place where I'm just going to be raw with you, man. Sometimes it just hurts too much to care. You ever feel that way? It just hurts too much to care sometimes because when you get involved, then you get your heart broken a little bit when things don't go the way you want to. But you know what? Jesus never cared. To, Jesus never hurt too much to care. Jesus never gave up on going after people. And Jesus tells us that, that we don't have to be the savior of the world. We just need to plug into the one who is. Let me say that again. Jesus says we don't have to be the savior of the world. We just have to plug into the one who is. And when he said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, go, what's the therefore, therefore? He's saying that you're in me and I'm in you. And if I'm in you, then you have access to all the power in heaven. You don't have to get out of the bed in the morning and make a game plan. Just go, just smile, say good morning. Say you're looking good today. Say you're looking down today. What's going on with you? Can I talk to you a minute? Open the door and let somebody start talking and the Lord will do the rest. It's easy to get discouraged. Some of us need to get back in the game. Some of us need to get back in the game. We have to care as if eternity is real, and it is. Man, I was telling the guys at the Hope Center the other day, I want everybody to do this. Put your hand out just like this. Put your hand out. Look, look at the width of your hand. Now, some of y'all got little teeny tiny girl hands and others of you have big old wide hands but I don't care who's got the biggest hand in here. If you look at your hand right now, that's your life. The scripture says your life is but a hand breadth. Now, if you take that hand and you imagine an, a line going through eternity that way and a line going through eternity that way, you get to live 70 years, 80 years, maybe you make it to 90, that's all you get. And all of that has already existed and all of that will exist. And eternity is real. And whether or not you spend all of that with Jesus depends on what you do with him now. But not just that. 
All of that depends for your family, for your friends, for people you love on what you're doing with Jesus. We're the delivery method. We're the delivery method. We're saying care because Jesus cared. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. And we have the same ability because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us to have compassion on the crowds and to help them. Church, we have to do better. It cannot continue to just be about us. We can't come to church needing a fix. We can't make it from Sunday to Saturday and say, whoo, I'm going to limp into church tomorrow so I can get back up. No, we have to learn how to connect into the Father day after day and let him keep us energized and charged up and filled up and reading his word and letting scripture read us so that on a Tuesday we can still go into the world and make a difference. And on a Thursday we can sit across from somebody and the Jesus that has filled me up throughout the morning pours out of me onto that other person. We are made to be encouragers. We are made to be bringers. We are made to be salt and light and bring people to the one who is. We got to do better, man. Oh, man. Yesterday, I met a young man. Met a young man yesterday who came up to me. He recognized me. He said, man, I, didn't, I just saw you and I just realized you're the pastor at, at Compassion. I said, yes, sir. How do I know you? He said, I was one of the firemen who came to your house when Jackie burned it down a while back. <laughs> hey, who got the microphone now, sister? <laughs> he said, I was one of the firemen who came to your house when it was on fire. And I looked at him and said, man, I can't thank you enough. And he's like, man, we, didn't, we weren't able to save your house. I said, yeah, but you came running when it was on fire. He said, yeah. I said, were you at Bachelors Hall? They were the first ones that showed up. He said, no, nah, man, I was in Blair's. He said, it rang out all the way to Blair's, and we came running. Who do you know right now that their life is on fire? Are you hearing the call? Are you running into it? You might not be the first one to get there, but maybe you can help somebody roll up the, road, the, 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 the hose if you're the last one to get there. You know people whose life is on fire, who are in distress. Do we care like eternity is real? Y'all don't want me to go into 1985 Pleasant Hill Baptist Church preaching about the fire of hell and how hot it is and how hell is for eternity this morning. That's what they told us when we were kids they preach that hot fire, that eternal fire. Well, I would rather tell you about a God who's good. I would rather tell you about a God who loves you and has a plan for your life and doesn't want you to ever have to even smell the fire. He wants to pour his love into you, and he wants to let that love pour out of you into people that you care about. I'd rather tell you about that. I got to keep going. Let me go to the third thing, and it's pray like you believe God wants to save someone. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they, the disciples, those who were left after Jesus had, had ascended back, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. God, I wish this place would shake this morning. I wish those lights would start, start wobbling around. I wish that things would start flickering because this church was so, so filled with compassion for people that we know and love and we were shaking the windows of heaven. That's what happened there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they spoke the word of God boldly. 
Don't just pray. Pray like you really believe that God wants to save someone and he wants to use you to do it. Mm. Man, God has to be so sick of our apathy. Revelation, speaking to the church at Laodicea. Laodicea, what, what, what did Jesus say? How I wish you were hot or cold, but you're neither. You're lukewarm, and because of that, I will spew you out of my mouth. God's done amazing things in this church over the last 10 years. God forbid that we find ourselves comfortable in a place where we've got a building that will hold everybody and we don't have to do this and we don't have to do that and we just get comfortable while our family and friends. We saw it happen in the book of Acts, man. The Holy Spirit got on those people and they started praying and heaven started shaking everything and God is waiting on us to do the same thing. He's waiting on his people to care enough about the people around him that we pray, that we set aside a time and pray, that we make it a priority to pray. What If, if it really does depend on me to get someone there and I'm trying to do it on myself, on my own and my efforts fail and they fail and they fail, how much am I going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm bringing this name to you and I've done everything that I can, but I need you to open the door and I need you to shake their heart and I need you to get hold of them, God. I don't know what else to do. And when that doesn't work, you go get three of your friends. You go get five of your friends and with tears in your eyes, you say to them, my friend is on the highway to hell and I'm not okay with it and I need you to pray with me. There are some men in this room who without going into a lot of details who have met together and called out names and said, we care about some of our friends that we see going in a direction, and we're going to set a timer. Collectively, we're going to set a timer on our phones that will go off at the same time for all of us every day, and when that timer goes off, we're going to pray. Can I tell you that the people that we were praying for collectively, we saw their lives change. Who do you need to be praying for, and who can you get circled up with you to see people saved? I'm not about filling up this church so we can say we have a big church. I'm about family. Look, dude, I'm getting old, man. Y'all see this white beard? And I, I didn't paint that in there. That's old age right there. I'm getting older, and I care a whole lot more right now about the city of Danville and people that don't know Jesus because if you're watching what's going on, things are lining up in this world. Jesus is coming back, y'all, and if he don't, every one of y'all going to die Positive encouraging. There you go. You better be ready. We can't be playing around, man. We can't be playing around. Last thing, tell your story like your story changed you. Tell your story like your story changed you. Man, I don't know why we embarrassed to tell the things that God has done in our life. John 9, I love this story. It's hilarious. The second time they, these are the Pharisees, Jesus has just, has, <laughs> has just given this young man his sight. And the Pharisees can't believe it. They don't want to believe it. And they're giving him a fit about it. And it says the second time, second time, they called the man over. They summoned him who had been blind. And they say, give glory to God. So in other words, it must be God who gave you your sight back, not this man that you're saying did it. Give glory to God. They said, we know this man is a sinner. They wanted to accuse Jesus of being a sinner even though they couldn't find anything that he had sinned about. Give glory to God. Verse 25, the young man, he replied, hey, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Anybody in this room right now that Jesus is done? Can I get three people to stand to your feet right now and just say, God, give me five people. Come on, come on, put your hands together, church. 
Come on, stand to your feet. Praise God. Everybody in the room, stand to your feet. Has God done something in your life? Come on, raise the roof in this place right now. Thank him for what he's done. You have a story. You have a story. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down. You have a story, man. Man, were you once lost as a golf ball in high weeds, had no way out of it, and somebody came to you and told you about Jesus, whether it was a friend or an evangelist or a preacher, somebody told you about Jesus and your life is not the same anymore? My God, man. When you pay attention to the things that people are telling you, you go to work day after day and you got somebody that's griping and complaining and my old lady this and I ain't ever got enough money for this and you hear that thing and that thing and that thing and you're sitting here with the favor of God on you because of your connection with him and you see how you used to say the same things he did and now you don't and you know that it's not because of you. It's only because of what God's done in you yet you still sit there and keep your mouth shut. Why are we so embarrassed to tell people about the Jesus who gave us life? You got to be willing to tell hurting people how Jesus has changed your life. One of our guys in the Hope Center, I hate he's not here today, but I've told this story before, a young man named Corey. He's here every week. And when I first met Corey, uh, I said, Corey, how'd you get here? Where are you coming here from? He said, I I was in jail. And he said, the guy that I was bunked up with in jail, he said, I never met anybody like him before. He said, he said, when I was bunked up with him, this man had more peace, more joy, more happiness than anybody I've ever met. And he talked about Jesus all the time. And sometimes everybody would go to chow and my friend would stay back and read his Bible. And he was the happiest person I know. And he said, I don't know God. Corey looked me in the eye and said, I don't know God. And I don't, wanna, I, I don't know how to know God. But I want to. I want to have what that man had. And from that day to this day, Corey's life has been changed. And if you know Corey, you see the joy in his life. Is he perfect? No, far from it. Still fights with some anger things, still fights with some stuff, but that's a young man who goes into his world, into his work every day, and he's changing the temperature of the places that he goes. That's how a story changes things. And as I look over this room right now, I see so many stories that so many of us have to tell. And for a lot of us, man, maybe that story was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. Maybe you told it a lot of times back then, but you've forgotten about it. And you, you, you listen to the voice of the enemy that says, oh, they've heard you tell that so many times. Quit telling that old tired story. It's not an old tired story. It's your story of redemption. And God wants you to share it. I gotta go fast. Let me, let me show you how to apply this practically. It's written out right in front of you, but I'll go through it quickly. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna prepare, number one, make a plan to read the Bible with the purpose of understanding who God is, how he sees you, and how you can lead others into a relationship with him. I know lots of people have this gnawing thing in their mind that says, I, I've never read the Bible and I need to read it. That's okay. But what you'll find yourself doing is feeling guilty when you miss a day or when you don't read. Read the Bible as if it is your appointment with Jesus. Set your clock in the morning to go off at a certain time to give you 15 minutes to read the Bible. Get a good Bible plan that will take you to read through the whole Bible in a year. And if you don't make it through, it's okay. Start again next year. Find time to read the Bible because you've got to prepare. Don't just read the Bible looking for God to bless you and say, yeah, you sure screwed up yesterday, but today, son, today is going to be better. 
That's the way we read the Bible a lot of times. What if we read the Bible trying to know who God is? What if we read the Bible trying to get equipped so that God can put me into the, into the war so that I can make a difference? That's number one. We've got to prepare. Number two, identify one to three people that you really care about that do not have a personal relationship with God. If you will ask God to show you the ones, you better be ready because he will. And he's going to put you on the hook. If you will ask God, God, open my eyes, show me the people in my life that do not have a relationship with you. And God, this is how it goes in my twisted little weak mind. God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get there. But God, if you'll show me, if you'll open the door, and when the door opens, give me the words to speak into it. And then God, you go before me. I'll try my best to say the words that will help point them to you. Jesus says, deal, let's go. Would you ask God to show you three people? Not strangers. I'm not asking you to go up to the cashier at Sam's Club and start witnessing to them and hand them a card. I'm talking about people that you know and love. Ask God to show you who the ones are that he specifically wants you to share the cross with. And then number three, this is important. We've not learned to do this yet. Develop a prayer team that prays by name for God to save those that he has given you. Now, this is where we're going to find out if we're taking this seriously or if this is just another sermon that Jeff preached and we forgot all about it. Look at me. Everybody look up here. They're good over there. They're cool. They're cool. That's my friends. They're not going to do anything bad. Look at me. If this church will take this point seriously, if you will get those three names in your mind, and if you'll go to three people, four people, five people, some of y'all are in small groups, do it in your small group. Share that name with each other. If you're not in a small group, reach out to some people. If this church will get serious about saying, here's my three people, and I'm going to pray for them at 11.15 every morning or whatever time it is, would you pray with me? And here's their story, and let's pray with them. If we will get serious about teaming up and praying together, watch what God's going to do in the lives of our family and friends. Eternity is real, and it's for heaven, and it's forever, and Jesus is coming back. And I don't know how else to say it, man. We got to team up. And then the fourth thing, look for opportunities to talk with your person or people about what God has done in your life. Share your story. Be ready to walk them into a personal relationship with God. All that is saying is, man, when the door opens, be ready to tell them what God's done in your life. I'll close with this. There have been too many times over the last couple of years that Jackie and I have been in rooms with people who are taking their final breaths. Just last week, I got a call. Kenneth Colby called me and said, could you go over to Roman Eagle? My friend is in final stages. I go over there, meet the lady that night. She, she's unresponsive. Her daughter is there. Um, the daughter says, yeah, but praise God, she loves Jesus. She opened mom's hand. She had a wooden cross in her hand. And, and the daughter just talked on and on about how, how much mom loved Jesus. And I found out the next morning that she had peacefully transitioned and went to heaven. And we've been in rooms so many times over the last couple years where people took those final breaths. And it's a beautiful thing to hear people as their life is winding down to say things like, I'm putting all my faith in Jesus. I don't know how this is going to work out, but God, I'm trusting in your promises. We've heard that, have we not? We've heard that. And we've seen them peacefully transition. But I've also talked to nurses and I've heard evangelists who've told stories about people taking their final breath in their, in their last moments in agony and torture. I'll never forget an evangelist that, that, that I heard speaking. I heard him tell this story twice when I was growing up. 
two, two times, probably 20 years apart. And he told a story about a, a person who was on their deathbed. And they're, they're upstairs and their life is closing, the window of their life is closing down. And a family member is in there with them trying to comfort them. And this, this, this person who's on their deathbed says to the family member, and if you've ever been in that room, you kind of get the sense that they're in between two realities. You know what I'm saying? You'll see people who are dying, reaching out, trying to touch things. They'll tell you that they see things that, that we don't see. This person on their deathbed said to the person that was in the room with them, what's that sound? I don't know. I don't hear anything. What is it? He said, who's coming up the stairs? He said, I hear somebody coming up the stairs. I don't hear anybody. There's chains that's dragging with them. The chains are dragging. And this person who was dying was getting more and more frantic as the chains got louder and as the person got closer and the person, as they were taking their final breath, was scared out of their mind because the chains were there and the person was as real as I would be in that room. And then death came just like that. You say, Jeff, that's too gruesome. That's too much. I can't take that. Well, I can't either. And we love people. And this is reality, folks. We're dealing with eternity. We're dealing with people who are lost and don't have any hope. But they do have hope. And his name is Jesus. And we know him. And he's waiting on us to to tell them about him. Would you stand to your feet right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed in this moment. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com.